Thank you, Steve. Welcome. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Yeah, this is uh, um, maybe uh, I've enhanced this message. I gave this message at the feast, and um, uh, perhaps some of the, some of you have heard this before. So if if this is a repeat, hopefully this will be a uh, an enhanced rep repetition. Anyway, the Protestants tend to have a costless, passive reward of the kingdom of heaven, and they don't necessarily um, need so much change or repentance in life um, for them to be able to inherit the kingdom. And sometimes you might have seen on television, they say, well, we believe if you said this little prayer, then you've been born again and you've been saved and you're ushered into the kingdom. Let's start in Acts 2. Turn to Acts 2 with me, and we'll see <clears throat> that Actually, as an introduction, part from their the Protestant perspective, they can be doing horrible things when Jesus Christ returns to usher in the rapture, which would then allow them to waft up to heaven and be sucked up into heaven into everlasting glory. And they could be doing all kinds of crazy things, you know, kidnapping a kid at gunpoint while blowing up the police station while robbing a bank. You know, I mean, they could do everything um, that you can think of. And yet, because they said that simple prayer, they'll be sucked up into heaven. Well, it's not that simple, according to the Bible. If you look at what the Bible says, there's a little bit more to it. Now, <clears throat> let's start here in Acts 2, and we'll read uh, verses 1 to 4. And it says, and when the day of Pentecost, the 50th day, was being fulfilled, they were all with one accord in the same place. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound of a rushing of a powerful wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them the words to proclaim. Now, this is interesting. They didn't really have to do much to receive the Holy Spirit right then, did they? They had to be in obedience to Jesus Christ. Jesus told them to wait or tarry there in Jerusalem until Pentecost, at which time the Holy Spirit would be given. So they were supposed to wait there. So they were in obedience as, as far as that was concerned. Now let's look at Verses 17 through 20. And it shall come to pass in the last days. So this hasn't happened yet, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And even upon my servants and upon my handmaids will I pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. That could be prophetic speaking, where you're speaking what's going to happen in the future, or it could also be uh, inspired speaking, and which is this is what that probably is, that they will speak inspired messages. And I will show wonders, verse 19, in the heavens above, in the signs of the earth below, blood and fire and vapors and smoke. Now we know this would be the heavenly signs, you know, and that what it talks about in and Matthew 24, verse 20, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. 
So we know that this hasn't happened yet. <clears throat> and uh, it, this will not happen yet until just before the day of the Lord. And that's going to happen when God pours out his spirit on all these people. They still haven't had to do a lot necessarily except be in a receptive state of mind. They have to be his servants, though. They have to be his handmaids, his servants, um, for him to pour out his spirit on their all flesh. Now let's turn to the key scripture of Acts 2 and verse 38. And when Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you yourselves shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a blessing. Man, okay, but what do we have to do? Repent and be baptized. Those are the criteria that is set in the Bible for us to be able to receive of the Holy Spirit. And when we understand it, this is in the imperative. It's a command. It's like, wait, stop, hold on, do this. You go there. It's a command. This is a command to us, repent and be baptized. Now, when we understand that God is, when we have the understanding, when we can come to the understanding that this passage is actually demanding that we obey by repenting wholeheartedly from the heart and then be baptized, we understand that there's an obligation that goes beyond what we should be now. So, look, if you're sitting on the fence and you're waiting, I don't know what you're waiting for. If you understand that this is a command, you need to be baptized. This was what I came to to help me be baptized way long ago when I was like 23, 24, 25. I forget what it was now. When I realized, oh, you know what? God's telling me that I have to be baptized. Okay. So it is a command that we are supposed to be baptized. But I want us to take a look at this word here. And it says, if you do these things for the remission of sins, then you yourselves shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this word receive is very interesting. I'm not one that typically likes to focus on alternative versions of the Greek or the Hebrew and try to, you know, work over the words and mess with them and try to get them all, see how they're supposed to do and give these alternative meanings. And However, when there is a clear alternative meaning and the word is translated in other fashions, then we have to kind of sit up and take notice. Now, there's nothing wrong with this translation of the faithful version of the King James in this sense, because it does say to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that is one translation of it. But if you understand, but we can look at the words and see how, how it works and see something interesting. Now, what I'm doing, I'm looking, if you have a smartphone and you're out on the the Faithful version app. I don't know if you can see that. No, it looks like maybe you cannot. So uh, if you double tap on any verse, so I'm going to double tap on the the verse 38. And what it does, I don't know, again, if you can see this, it gives the Strong's number 
and a reference, and it tells you what you can do. Now, each of these blue underlines are actually words that you can tap and see what the Strong's word is. And so it says, for the remission of sins, and you yourselves shall receive. That's G2983. So <clears throat> here's what I here's what it is. It's Lombano. Now, if you can't see it, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share my screen with you, and I want you to be able to see what's on my screen. So here we go. Now, when we go here to Acts 2, I have the faithful version up. When we scroll down to Acts 2 and verse 38, you only have to single-click it. Single-click that thing. Now, the verse, anywhere on the verse. Now you have all these words, and what I'm going to do here, see this word right here, 2938, 83 rather, G2983. I'm going to click that, and it comes up with this Lombano. And if we notice, there's all kinds of words that the way that it can be translated. The first one has many definitions of to take. So this word can be translated to take, but it can also be, if you notice right here on the two, it says to receive, which is given, to gain, to get, obtain, or to get back. But look at all from that point up, look at all of the definitions of to take that this word has. To take with a hand, to lay hold of, any person or thing in order to use it to take in order to carry it away, to take with unto one's own will, to take to oneself, to make one's own, to claim, to procure for oneself of that which was taken, to take by craft. This would be like a hunter um, setting a trap and using something so he's able to take his prey, to take oneself, to catch, to take a thing, um, to take a thing due, to collect or to gather, to take, to admit, receive. So <clears throat> now I'm going to unshare my screen, and now hopefully we're back. And you can see that there are quite a number of words there that this word lombano can be used and quite a bit of definitions where it could be to take. So now let's read this whole verse all over again, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you yourselves shall take the gift of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that put that in an interesting and a new light? That's pretty interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> it can be, if we translate it, take the Holy Spirit. But how do we, how do we take this Holy Spirit? Do we just... Reach up and grab it from God? <laughs> uh, uh, no, obviously not. We cannot grab it from God by force. No, not at all. Here, uh, let's turn now to Matthew 25. Let's go to Matthew 25. I'm going to show you a couple of other ways where this word is used in different manner. Matthew 25, at the very beginning, and this is talking about the, the uh, ten virgins. The question is, how do we take it? So if God offers us, offers it to us, do we receive it? Do we reach out our hands to take it? 
God's offering it to us, and he says, if you'll do this, I'll give it to you. You have to be willing to receive it. I'm giving it to you. Will you pick it up? Interesting, huh? Okay, Matthew uh, 25, verses 1 through 4. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps. That word take is lambano. It's the same G2983. Who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. The ones who were foolish took, the same word again, their lamps. But they did not take, same word again, oil with them. But the wise took, lambano, oil in their vessels along with their lamps. But you see, it's not translated receive here. So everything has to do with context. Everything has to do with context. Let me say that again. Everything has to do with context. So in Acts 2.38, it's a very good contextual translation to say receive the Holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But can we take it? That's a cool idea. Let's go now to 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6, and we'll see that this is another use of this word. But the way Paul uses it when he's instructing Timothy, he adds to the word. He adds a prefix and he adds a suffix. So it's uh, epi and then the word, the root word, lambano, and then me. And we've heard Fred talk about that, the middle voice of me being that it's like a reflexive in Spanish uh, or um, that it's for your own self. So I wash my own hands, you know. Uh, and and so let's look here in First Timothy six. Now, what's interesting here? Timothy is comparing two things. One is not that good. The other is very good. He's comparing riches, wealth versus eternal life, and he's telling us to go and get the stuff. Don't work to stretch yourself out to get riches because you can't take it with you. However, work to take eternal life. Let's start in, oh, okay, uh, 10 through 12. First Timothy 6, 10. For the love of money is a root of all evils, by which some, while striving after riches, were seduced from the faith and have impaled themselves with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life, to which you were also called and did profess a good profession in the presence of many witnesses. Okay, so what are the words here? Striving after riches in verse 10. This is um, a, a very interesting word. It's a striving, and he's not telling us to strive. So verse 10, a striving is origomi. Origomi, it means to stretch oneself out in order to grasp or touch something, to reach after or desire something. Picture this, you know, on, on the television, an old Western, right? And the the hero is locked in jail and he reaches through the bars and he's stretching 
to, he's stretching himself to get the keys that the jailer dropped on the floor. And he's stretching, and it's like, you know, he, he's stretching for something. This is a rock. Uh, but he's just stretching, and he can't, he can't barely touch it, but he just keeps reaching and reaching. Or, or better, <clears throat> what if on a more modern movie, um, the, the hero is trapped, right? And there's a bomb, and it's counting down, tick, tock, tick, tock, 10, 9, 8. And they're striving, and they're, they can't really reach it, and they're just really striving. And then 5, 4, 3, 2, and then they reach out and grab it and touch it, and be, they're able to to solve the uh, problem, right? Well, that's the, the silly drama of Hollywood, uh, trying to striving after this temporary salvation. That won't gain us anything. What what Timothy is doing is saying is if you're striving after this thing, it's like striving after the wind. It's temporary. It's hollow. It's vanity. That's not going to gain you anything. But verse 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. He's saying, look, do you want to strive after wind and get some riches and wealth? Or do you want eternal life? Strive after it. Now, the word here is epi lombano me. Epi, the prefix, means it's a, a, it's a preposition. And it means of, on top of, beside, around, over. Uh, and, and the words that we might know of uh, are something like um, epidermis, you know, the, the, the layer of skin that's on the top, or an epicenter. Or an epilogue, after, um, means afterward. <clears throat> and the me at the end of this, the lombano is to take or to receive, and then the me is for yourself. So what Paul is saying here is, on top of everything, take to yourself, for your own benefit, eternal life. Yeah. Yeah, and not only that, look down here in verse 19. Uh, verse 18, to do good, to be rich in good works. He's still continuing this concept of uh, of pitting riches, the, the emptiness of wealth in this life versus eternal life and how valuable that is. And so he's still pitting these two things together. And it says to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous in giving, to be ready to share, treasuring, uh, this tongue-in-cheek, I think, for themselves a good foundation of the future so that they may lay hold on eternal life, epilambanomi. So we see that once we take the Holy Spirit, we have to work it. It's not just a passive, happy-go-lucky, uh, a, a passive Protestant pastime. <laughs> no, we have to work it. It's not passive. We have to put forth effort. We have to plan ahead. It's striving after righteousness. We have to be in obedience. We have to have dedication. We have to see it through. We have to persevere after it. And then it says in verse 17, charge those who are rich in this. Again, he uses the rich, right? To be uh, those who are not to mm, charge those who are rich in this present age, not to be high-minded, nor to put their hope in the uncertainty of riches but to put their hope in the living God who abundantly gives all things for our enjoyment. And so 
Um, this epilumbonomy, I kind of got ahead of myself. It says uh, to take the real definition for it is to take in addition, to lay hold of, to take possession of, to overtake, to attain, to attain to. To lay hold of or to seize upon anything with the hands, to take hold of or to lay hold of. Metaphorically, it is to rescue one from peril, to help, to succor. So Paul is telling Pete, uh, Timothy, just as Peter told the new those who are converting, to take hold of this because you will save yourself by doing so. Metaphorically, you are rescuing yourself from peril. So if we can look at it this way, this has been translated as take, take by, catch, take on, lay hold of, take hold of, lay hold on. Does it remind you of a story? Let's turn back to Genesis 32, and I'll keep telling you a little bit more. So what Paul is saying here is on top of everything else, on top of epi, on top of everything else, <clears throat> take to yourself and lay hold of for your own self, for your own benefit, eternal life. So Paul's contrast is not overstretching ourselves for riches versus taking hold of eternal life. We still have to reach out and take it. Okay. <clears throat> Genesis 32, 24 through 30. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled there with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against him, this was the messenger, the, the angel, or Jesus Christ, he, the angel, the messenger, touched the hollow of his thigh. <laughs> That's a, kind of an understatement. I think this is a very British statement right here. He touched this thigh. The hollow of the thigh. You know, I put it out of joint. That's a real big pain. I don't know if you've ever had your hip out of joint or, or have a, needed to have a hip replacement. It can be a very painful thing. And then to have it pop back into place is excruciating as well. But he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh became out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Jacob said, let go of me for the day breaks. No, no. The angel said, let go of me for the day breaks. And Jacob said, I will not let go of you except that you bless me. And the angel said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, the angel said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Um, let's keep going. And Jacob asked, and he said, I, I pray you reveal your name. And he said, really? You, know, you just wrestled with me all night, and I touched your hip, put your hip out of joint, and you wouldn't let me go unless I blessed you, and now I gave you a new name, and you and I said that you prevailed with God and with men, and, and you ask who I am? Are you for real, dude? Come on, man. And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Penuel, uh, 
And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he limped upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh, which is upon the hip socket, even until this day, because he touched the hips, uh, Jacob's hip socket, the sinew of the thigh. And I think I was only supposed to go through 30. Anyway, the, the concept was is that he wrestled with God there, and God renamed him, and he wouldn't let him go unless he gave him a blessing. Uh, so he, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't simply willing to sacrifice. He wasn't willing to only escape with his life. No, he had to have a blessing. He wanted something more and he wouldn't let go of the messenger, the Malak, the angel. Maybe that was Jesus. And he would not let him go. And if I can say he demanded a blessing from God and God gave that to him before God released Jacob. Just by the way, and you can write this down in your notes, but Hosea 12, two through four says, I'll just quote this for you. The Lord also had a quarrel with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his doings, he will repay him. He took his brother's heel, took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength, he had power with God. Yes, he wept and cried to him, and he struggled with the angel, and he prevailed. So if we caught that, it says by his strength, Jacob had power with God. Whoa. Let's turn back to the New Testament, Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Oh, hold your place here. We'll come back to um, Genesis 35, um, and that'll make it easy for you to turn back. But let's go to Matthew 11. And in, in both of these cases that I just cited, in 1 Timothy 6, and then also uh, in Genesis 32, it's a question of value. Okay, what is it that we want? What is it that we're willing to put forth effort for? What is it that we're willing to do to take what we want? What do we want? Right? Do we want riches and wealth? Or do we want eternal life that will last forever? You know, in Jacob's case, um, he he wanted he didn't seek to relieve his pain no he kept fighting he kept working and he wanted to receive or to take a blessing it's not the same word in the old testament of course because that's hebrew but the concept is still there he wrestled with god because he wanted to take the blessing and he would not let go god go until he got the blessing from him so matthew 11 in verse 12, this has stymied me for years and years, and I didn't really understand what it means. In the King James, this says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. But let's see what it says here in Fred's version, and it says, in the faithful version, Matthew 11, verse 12, For from the days of John the Baptist, even until now, the kingdom of heaven is taken with a great struggle. And the zealous ones lay hold on it. Now, we might think that those are the same words. They're not. They're actually biadzo and harpadzo. <laughs> and I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Greek anything. <laughs> but I can look up 
and see the words. And when I finally understood that there's a concept here that the kingdom of heaven is taken with a great struggle. That means that you and I, we have to struggle for God's kingdom. And the zealous ones take hold on it. We're not going to let it go. We can't, we can't do this passive Protestant nonsense. This is a vocation. We have to push ourselves to study, to fast, to pray, to meditate, to seek righteousness, to exercise righteousness in our lives. We have to actively work to activate and achieve the kingdom. It's not this pastime. Rather, this is a full-time calling. This is a lifestyle, a vocation for us. Let's go back to Genesis 25. I think I made a said 35. I meant 25. Genesis 25. And we'll see something else here. Uh, verse 27 through 34. This is um, with Esau and Jacob. Uh, again, Jacob in, in this story. Esau and Jacob, Genesis 25, verses 27 through 34. And the boys grew, and Esau was a skilled hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his venison. He made some pretty good beef stew. <clears throat> And um, Rebecca, Rebecca loved Jacob. Verse 29, and Jacob boiled soup. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Oh, man, I've had a hard day. And Esau said to Jacob, I beg you, let me eat some of this red, this red soup, for I am faint. Therefore, his name was called Edom. It's modern turkey. It means red. And Jacob said, mm, nah, nothing's for nothing. Sell me your birthright, bud. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point of dying. Don't we say that? Oh, I'm starving to death. Man, I could eat a horse. This is exaggeration. This is a metaphor. Um, and he's saying, behold, I'm at the point of dying. What profit is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me, swear to me this day. And so he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and soup of lentils, And he ate and drank and he rose up and he went his way. So thus did Esau despise his birthright. In the center margin, there's some um, things here. Um, Isaiah 22, 13 says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do we have this uh, concept of live for this life only? In uh, Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 15, it some, says something similar, but he says, therefore, he commended pleasure because eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Are we that short-sighted? And then 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 32 says, no matter how great we get in this life, it's only fleeting, so let us live for today. And that was a modern mindset at that time. So this was also Esau's mindset here. No vision of the future. No God 
in his life. No potential but to reap death. No potential but to reap the wind. He would inherit the wind. Later, he cried for his birthright. He really wanted his birthright. He was saddened that he didn't get the birthright that he sold to Jacob. Too bad. Do we just kind of stretch our hands out to see what we can reach and grasp with our hands? Maybe I can, yeah, let me get this rock. Oh, good, I got this rock. I'm so happy now. Uh, what if we grasp, grasp and reach and we get that, <clears throat> we get the jailer's keys off the floor? And we're able to unlock our door and we escape and we have temporary fleeting freedom. If we are like Esau who despised his birthright, then we too, we can inherit the wind just like he did. If that's what we really want. Let's kind of size this, summarize this. Let's put this in summary and bring this to Beginning to close, one synopsis is, look, we all die, right? Um, when I die, let's say I leave some of you in my will, okay? Uh, I can't easily see who the list is of who's here. I'm just kind of reaching to see who the attendees are. I should have done this earlier. But um, uh, let's see. Well, hey, you know what? Tony's here. And uh, and Tony and I, I don't know, I, I think Steve Durham here and Mike Flake, I know him. You know what I'm going to do? Let me just put this up here. <clears throat> um, if I were to include some of you in my will, maybe you'd, maybe you'd be happy with that. Maybe you'd be pleased. Maybe you wouldn't. Who knows? Maybe it kind of depends on what I would leave you, right? What about this? What if I left Tony? When I die, if I were to put you in my will, here's an old-timer buck knife, okay? And here it is. It's, it's a nice little buck knife. And what if I left this to you in my will, okay? I'm going to put it right here. So. What if, Steve? You're gonna like this. Uh oh, I just, I just dropped one of them. So I'm gonna, I have one that I can show you. This is, this is kind of sweet, Steve. You might be really pleased, or you might not be. Here, as a little thing of plastic mice. Plastic mice. Can you believe it? Look at it. There's a whole bunch of them. There, there must be like 50 or 70, maybe 100 plastic mice. Steve, I can put you in my will, and you can have this. All you got to do is come get it. Huh? All right. Mike Flake? <laughs> okay. Here. You might like this. This might be something a little bit better. You know what this is? This is a one ounce silver coin. It's a silver eagle. Um, there's an eagle on the back. This minted 2003. It's worth about $30 right now. 
silver eagles have there's a premium on silver eagles but what if i were to include that for you steve huh i mean for for you mike and then mm, let me see uh uh william chappelle this is going to be pretty exciting i have not one but two two authentic brown rubber roaches <laughs> isn't that exciting man can you believe it two rubber roaches i'm gonna put them right here yeah boy look at that baby ah man Y'all just hoping that I'm dying. I'll die. Die soon, Byron. I want those rubber roaches. I want that little jar of mice and that $30 coin. Look at that knife. That knife probably worth around, I don't know, $20, $25. When are you dying, Byron? <laughs> Look, if this is your inheritance and they do a reading of the will and they leave it on the table for you, and they say you can receive these things when they read the read the will. You have to pick them up. You have to get them. You have to take them. If you wanted this silver coin, you'd have to go to the lawyer's office and go and pick it up off the table. You'd have to take it. Do we want that inheritance? Do we want the inheritance that God's leaving for us? Are we willing to go and pick it up and take it off the table? We have for us to be able to claim it and for us to receive it, we have to reach out our hands and pick it up off the table and you have to take it. Lombano, you have to take the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me just put this silly stuff away. I know you guys were really excited about those little mice. I don't know where they came from. I don't know where we got them, but it made for a silly example, didn't it? <clears throat> anyway. What do we do? How do we do this? How do we handle this? God has offered us his Holy Spirit. We can't be passive. It's given to us, but unless we actively reach out and take it and work it, we cannot receive it. Let's go back to Acts 2, and we'll finish up here. Acts 2, I want to read this again. Acts 2 and verse 38. I guess we're going to be finishing up a little bit early. Because um, I don't need to hold you for the whole hour if, uh, if, if my message is done. Acts 2.38, it says, then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you yourselves shall take and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through effort, through pain, through zeal, through work. We can take the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, in 1 Timothy 6, it says, above all over everything take to yourselves eternal life for your own benefit take the holy spirit 